everyone. Welcome to the NFL Road Show. Lindsay Rhodes here on a huge day in the NFL. I'm taping this Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, 426 p.m. Eastern. Exactly. The trade deadline just passed. And what a trade deadline. It was so many big moves. I think I count nine that happened today alone. And that obviously doesn't include the many trades that already happened in the last few weeks. Roquan Smith deal went down yesterday and it feels like a year ago already. So there is lots to discuss today. And I've got Jordan Schultz from the score here to have that discussion with. So let's break the huddle. Hurry up, let's go. Two on, two on, two. Ready? First of all, Jordan, holy heck, that was heavy, but super fun, but also heavy. Yeah. So much going on, and I am totally here for this kind of trade deadline. How about you? This this was the kind of deadline we all needed, we all wanted, we all hoped we get. You never really know. You mentioned the nine. Um, it was awesome. And not only that, you had a lot of big names. You know, obviously, kind of got picked off with Robert Quinn. The Bears weren't done. They go Roquan Smith. Um, you know, at the wire here, we just got Naheem Hines. So there's been a pretty steady collection of trades here. And also quite a few different teams in the mix, you know, teams that are selling, teams that are buying. Um, you know, you mentioned, we haven't even mentioned, you know, Claypool getting traded earlier. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's just like, it was one of those trade deadlines to me that it feels like the craziest one we've had in a while. We thought it might be like that, but obviously you really don't know. Yeah. Over under on the number of texts that you've sent and received in the last three hours. Three hours, probably approaching 200. <laughs> oh my gosh. In the I last this. 72 hours, Lindsay, yeah. I'd say yeah. well over a thousand, fifteen hundred, oh. somewhere in that mix. Yeah. See, I see. have over a hundred unread texts in the last hour and a half. You're like friend, personal, don't need it. Yeah, exactly. Not now. My uh I have like ice, like you know, in case of emergency wife. Um uh-huh. she <laughs> I told her that, and I'm gonna tell you this, this is breaking information. I told her that for until four o'clock today, she'd be muted on my. No, on my, you muted your wife on text. If she needed a call, if she was calling, I knew it was important, and therefore I would answer. But unless it was a call, not available. Do you think that this is the Packers' problem that they're just somehow that like muted in this, in a yes, by all the of the other problem. teams? Yes, <laughs> it, it, it really is because they were. I think they're they're probably. I wonder if they actually aren't getting notifications. Like maybe teams are reaching out and Brian and Matt, maybe they just don't know. Maybe they're not seeing it. And maybe the Packers are leaving voicemails. No, nobody listens to voicemails. I think the Packers might be operating. It's such an analog archaic state (laughs) that they are leaving voicemails. They're like, Hey, call us back. We want a receiver, but uh, we don't know how to text. So thanks. Oh my gosh. Let's start there. We'll get to the trades that were made. Let's start with the ones that were not because a lot of people expected the Packers to be in the mix. So I suppose that always came with the caveat of like, well, they're the Packers and this isn't what they do. I just sort of thought that this year of all years, they might actually break from that mold because it made so much sense to do so having gone in to the tune of $153 million on Aaron Rodgers for three years, like give them some pieces, right? Uh, were the Packers actually attacking? Attempting to make yeah. something? Were there calls being made around the league? They were. And they were one of the teams that you certainly thought would go ahead and get a receiver, to your point. Um, and it's really, it comes down to a couple of things. One, you know, Randall Cobb's on IR. Christian Watson has been dealing with a hamstring pretty much the whole year. Dobbs is a kid they really like. He's been up and down. 
Um, and really, it's been Alan Lazard as the most consistent. And they're starting to find a rhythm with Tunyon, but they haven't really had that like true number one guy. And I don't know if they were ever going to get that at the deadline, but there were names. We mentioned Claypool, obviously Brandon Cooks. I know they checked in on. They were making calls. They were interested, um, but they typically like to be, they like to go after bigger receivers. I thought maybe with that in mind, Cooks wasn't the guy, but then you could see someone like Claypool having been a great fit. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in the week, Nelson Aguilar is someone who, was available. Just another weapon, maybe a speed guy, maybe a big target, but something else for Aaron Rodgers. And obviously they don't do it. And of course, to make things worse for Packers fans that are um, devastated that no move was made, the Vikings did go out and make a move. The Bears went out and made a move, got some people that perhaps the Packers might have been interested bringing in. They stay in the NFC North, uh, but go to other teams. And we'll get to those specific stories in just a minute. Uh, What about other teams that were trying to figure something out? Because there were, I feel like this year, more than most years, because as Eric Eager um, said on this podcast on Monday, the middle is enormous this year. There are so many teams, like we've got like three teams that we know are good. And then a few that we assume are not going to be in the mix, but like that group of teams that really could make the playoffs, many of which are actually kind of bad teams, but are still going to be in the mix. And so I, I think we had a situation this year where there were a lot more teams that could legitimately go make moves to make a run than yeah. we we typically have. And that might yeah. explain the large number of moves that we have. But um, what about some of the other teams outside of the Packers that were, that were know, in the mix? Yeah, but ultimately didn't do anything. Yeah, I thought Seattle, uh, Sidney Jones was someone that had drawn some interest. The quarterback, he's pretty cheap. They didn't move him. I'm trying to think of uh, other teams. Uh, Minnesota, you mentioned. Minnesota making a deal with with TJ Hawkinson, which was a great move. They had gotten a, a lot of interest on Alexander Madison, their, their number two running back, who's on his rookie deal, is a really good player. Um, but clearly, Minnesota wasn't selling. They were all in for now. There was no reason, mm-hmm. reason to trade him. I thought Philly might move Andre Dillard, their backup left tackle behind Mylotta. But uh, my understanding in talking to them was this is a really good player, and you can never have too much offensive line depth. In terms of the Naheem Hines trade, the, there were a few other teams in the mix, um, you know, maybe Philly, the Rams, but ultimately he goes to Buffalo. And the reason I want to bring that up is because, you know, the Bills drafted James Cook. They obviously thought and think he can be a good player in this league. But now it's really they trade back Moss. So it's really it comes down to Singletary and Hines as their two running backs. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a pretty instant impact for them, Lindsay. Yeah, it's an interesting backfield addition there. Um, and as you pointed out before we started recording, he he makes quite a bit of money considering the fact that he's not a one, you yeah. know, like yeah. he's he's an additional running back, I guess, in any running back room. And I assume that that will continue to be the case there in um, Buffalo. How did that deal go down? Because you were you were the one to break that one. That was basically yesterday. Actually, Adam was the one chapter that reported originally that teams were interested. So I started digging up and asking around. Basically, they had a few offers in place yesterday did. Uh, the, uh, the Colts did yesterday. And ultimately, they felt like they wanted to wait to get the best possible offer. And what's interesting too, Lindsay, is that um, no longer are teams afraid to trade in conference or in division. Like that's, yeah. that's done. We saw it with Hawkinson and the Vikings, Lions. So the whole idea of we're not going to trade uh, number two running back in, in conference, that's not even, that's, that's a moot point. 
So that to me was a really interesting move uh, because, because of what I said, but also the fact that Indianapolis had a few offers and went with what they thought was the best one, getting a running back in return, as well as a conditional six. So, um, but the Colts are like, you mentioned teams that are in that middle. I, are they like, are they good? Are they a bad, good team? Are they a good, bad team? I, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. I feel like they've already, they've already gone down the road that they're going to go down though. Weirdly to a degree, just because they are in the mix for their division, which is a hundred percent winnable uh, becoming less and less. So by the day, obviously the Titans picking up another win to create a little bit of padding there over the weekend. But uh, once they made and the it, move to Sam Ellinger, right. It yeah, feels Ellinger like was Ellinger. They, they really liked though. I know that he's not, he wasn't a first round pick. Uh, he didn't start the beginning of the year, but they love him. And when I talked to Colts players, even last year, they were like, at some point, this guy's going to get a real chance. And when he got named the starter this year, despite all the respect for Matt Ryan in that locker room, there was still this sense of like, okay, we have a real shot because Sam's at least going to extend plays. He's a great leader. He's got a big arm. He can do some things that respectfully to Matt at this point in his career, pushing 40 that he can't do. Tell me about the wide receivers. Uh, because I, f- I thought that there might be more movement today. We saw Claypool moved and that one was a big one, but I thought we might see a few more wide receivers on the move um, because there were so many teams that need are one. in that middle that desperately need one. I mean, the, the Giants could use one. The Titans could use one. The Packers, obviously, we already talked about. The Ravens, the Chargers, the Cowboys. I mean, the Vikings didn't get a wide receiver. They got Hawkinson, so they kind of checked that box in terms of adding a pass catcher. But yeah. uh, we didn't see Brandon Cook's move. No, yeah. Uh, well, the one, we, we did see Calvin Ridley move. Now, that doesn't That's impact. true. That's not this season. Uh, he, is, he is suspended. It is ironic that he gets traded to the team he bet on. I, I know that that's like taboo, but hey, it is a fascinating trade for the Jags. For I love forward. it. There you were like eight to- conditions to it. Also, yeah, exactly. I stopped yeah, like, reading the tweet. Happened, I was like, yeah. I get that you have to put all this out there because somewhere there is a Jaguars and Falcons fan like who actually care about this. But I was like, I'm done reading all yeah. of these conditions. It I don't was care anymore. It's not even <laughs> right. Well, well, Cooks. I, I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't know how much this is out there. Cooks, they wanted to be moved. Uh, Cooks and his team wanted out. They wanted to go to a contender. He's obviously been traded more than anybody. I mean, every deadline, it feels like he's in that mix. He signed a two-year, $38 million extension before the season. So that didn't help. If that number was lower, I think he would have been moved. He's a very good player. Um, six seasons, six times in nine years, he said 1,000 yards. Um, so they they were looking. They, they couldn't get a deal done. It doesn't mean he won't be moved before June 1st, but yes, he did not get traded. He's tweeted since the deadline passed. Have you seen his tweet? No, what okay. he said. It's very wide receiver-esque, right? Like it's 100% on brand in that it's vague and like, yeah. uh, you know, okay, it says, don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long, those days are done. Cross the line with playing with my career. To me, that's kind of what we just said. He doesn't really want to be there. He's the line's been crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, it's innocuous, so it's very strange. I, I agree. The other one mentioned Texans, uh, and I saw, I, I don't know, I, I reported this last night, I don't know if you saw, but but Jerry Hughes was another one that they had gotten interest on. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be moved. He's from Texas, from Houston, played at TCU, but there was a considerable amount of interest for him. He leads the team with five sacks this year. Uh, but 10 trades today. That's the most ever on a deadline day. 10. Oh, I yeah. counted wrong. 10. That's yeah. incredible. 
Yeah. It really is. Do you think that has to do with, it seems on the surface that that has to do with like just a new generation of general of managers GMs. that view aggressive. the draft picks a little bit differently. A very aggressive GMs. Uh, we mentioned not worrying about trading inside a division or a conference. So some of those restrictions are, are gone, but yeah, aggressive young GMs. If you think about some of the GMs that, that made moves today, you know, Brad Holmes, Quasey, uh, uh, you just go down the list. A lot of guys in their forties, you know, this is the new generation of GM. Which, which of the trades do you see as being the most impactful? From like oh, right away? The, yeah. For this season? Mm-hmm. Um, We've got Hawk to the Vikings. We've got yeah, I think, Chase I Claypool think to the Hawk. I think it's Hawkinson. Yeah, because because obviously they need a tight end. Irv Smith is hurt. They have a pretty explosive offense. Um, KLC, their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, was really good with tight ends. Hawkinson's super talented. Um, he's He's a really good player. No, he, he can run. He's big. He's athletic. You can you can do a lot of things with him. And that'll just unlock not only him, but but, you know, more in that offense. You know, Jefferson doesn't have a touchdown catch since right. week one. Yeah, it's crazy. He's having a great year, but he doesn't have a touchdown since week one. So I think this will help him as well. Yeah. One of the things that uh, Eric Eager, again, um, formerly of PFF, so like deep in the analytics weeds was saying that um, the the numbers bear out that it's less like you need a strong number one, but the the more the stronger correlation to success is the quality of your second best wide receiver. Because, you know, if you have Justin Jefferson, as we've seen this year, it's just easier to kind of uh, defend him if you have. Adam Thielen is your second best wide receiver and he is not the Adam Thielen from years past. So uh, this isn't necessarily the direction that I thought that they would go, but Hawk, I think it it could definitely do the same thing, right? In terms of drawing some defense away from him. Was this a move that they made because of the Irv Smith injury? Because it also came out today that he suffered a high ankle sprain on Sunday and he's expected to miss eight to 10 weeks. So was this late coming together because of that? Or do you think that this is a move that they would have done anyway? Because in my opinion, it is an upgrade. Yeah, I think the latter. I think they were, that that helped cement it, the Irv Smith injury news. But this was something that they had been exploring for a while. Not necessarily... Not only Hawkinson, but trying to find another tight end that was um, able to do the types of things that he can do because they just haven't had it, you know. And 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 Hawkinson, you can line up at receiver too. He's just so versatile. So I think this this probably would have happened um, anyway. Um, was like, oh, about the number two receiver. I I'm so happy you said that. And I didn't, I haven't heard that correlation or that comp before. The whole idea of having a great number two and how that's that correlates to your offensive success, but. Um, I was back, I was in Seattle, my hometown for Giants Seahawks over the weekend. And I was with, I spent a little bit of time with, with both DK and Gino. And I was asking them not only about their success, but Lockett's success and how synced up they all are together, that trio. And it's very clear that having Lockett and DK in Seattle, for example, is enormous for someone like Gino. So let's put it in Minnesota's case for someone like Kirk Cousins, who has had a good year. This is going to make him have an even better year to have another threat like that. This is a total sidebar here, but since you brought up the Seahawks and I know that you are tight with a lot of the people in that organization, this has been my question all year long is that now we're seeing, and Richard Sherman came out again today and said, you know, more stuff that seems to be pointing a finger at Russell Wilson. My thought has been like, I can't believe that none of these people were whispering in people's ears for the last decade. Like it's all coming out now. Yeah. 
Yes. And I know that there were reports. There have always been like the like, yeah, it's the defense versus Russ and Pete takes Russ's side and all that kind of stuff. Like we all heard that stuff, but like this is so specific and so many people are coming out and the stuff about the Super Bowl and how he audible. I was like, how do you mm-hmm. sit on that for a decade? Like, where was that? How was, you know, nobody off? Cause I don't know. I don't expect any of those people to go on record, but yeah. I, I'm shocked that they weren't like, Hey reporter, here's what really went down. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you this, though, there are there were in the past when I've asked players about it, there are certain players that say different things about that play, about okay. the, about the pass to uh, Malcolm Butler and Super Bowl. Because I, I, I'm super curious just as a fan and some guys will say different things. So I, I'm not sure everyone really knew the true story other than than maybe Russ and Pete and, and John or Marshawn. I mean, there's not a lot, but I, I do like what you said about how Sherm has been pretty outspoken. I, I don't think it's any secret now, Lindsay, that the, that the locker room was pretty divided in terms of Russ. I mean, clearly some guys love him and they always will, but you're also seeing just a weekly reminder of the guys that didn't. I mean, I, you can't, we don't know if it's a, a true dig at Russ, but it certainly felt like it when Lockett says after the game, you know, it's amazing what happens when people stop caring about just themselves. You know, something, whatever he said. I mean, that's the kind of comment that you're just like, man, that feels like a backhanded dig at, at, at number three. Yeah, almost everything does these days, honestly, and not just coming from Sherm. Uh, Brand, uh, speaking of Russell Wilson, Bradley Chubb traded to the Dolphins um, for Chase Edmonds and a yeah. first and also a fourth next year, and they get a fifth in 2025. Uh, either way, Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins feels like a very interesting move because we mentioned Hawk is one that has the potential to be um, pretty big in the immediate future. I think Bradley Chubb is another one for the Dolphins and a team that could make a run helps make their defense much stronger. It does feel like a lot to give up. Is it a one for a guy on an expiring contract? Does that feel like a lot? Well, they're only doing this. Miami is knowing that they're going to extend him long-term. Um, so Chubb is 26. He's a pro bowler, former top five pick, and he's a premium position. I mean, you can never have enough pass rushers. The Dolphins, I think, ranked dead last in sacks. So, but now you're going to pair him with Jalen Phillips on bookend at sides. And now you have an elite one-two punch. You know, Phillips is a second-year guy that they love. And obviously, Chubb is, is a beast. So this, this was always the team that it was going to happen with. Uh, I know the Jets had checked in, but it was always going to be the Dolphins. And now it comes down to, and I think we'll see this sooner than later, Lindsay, that multi-year extension with Miami. Because – Miami doesn't make that move, Chris Beard, the GM, without the 100 uh, percent certification that I am going to get this guy for the foreseeable future on a long term deal. So, yes, they gave up a lot, but they also get a lot and they get a lot in a position that you simply can't find. I mean, you just cannot find premium passwords. Would this trade, I think it's fair to say that this trade probably wouldn't have happened if the Broncos felt like this was going to be their year, like they thought going Absolutely. into the season. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had said, listen, like, I don't, I don't want to write them off, but if you watch the Broncos, Lindsay, I mean, there are, it's I, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. I'm comfortable writing them off. I'll let that yeah. come out of my mouth I, and not yours. I, no, I, I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, they, they have been, Arguably the biggest underachieving team. I think Russell Wilson has probably been the most underachieving player. And there's clearly something not right. There's a, a clear disconnect. 
And part of that is on Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe a big part of it is on him. I, I do think he's in over his head. And I don't think he'll be there long term. I don't know what that timeline is. But regardless, yes, this is a clear cut signal of we are not we know we are not contending right now. It's also a clear cut signal in Miami that they have seen enough from Tua to feel comfortable moving forward yeah. with him. No, because they no longer have a, a one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Tua, he had he's had a very strange season, Lindsay. He started off unbelievable. Then he then he gets hurt. Then he gets hurt again. Then he misses a couple of games. The league is all over the place on on his concussion issue and the protocol and was everything met satisfactory. And now he comes back and has another huge game, thirty two fantasy points uh, for those who care about that. So yeah, I think Don't this we all is, care about that. We all do. At the point now, do. we're like right. Unless you're talking to a head coach and you don't yeah. want to be you know disrespectful of like the real world football stuff, and they don't care about our fantasy teams. But other than that, I think we're all at the point where like. Yeah. Who are, we're not going to talk to the five people who don't have fantasy teams. Absolutely. So to me, yes, this is a pretty clear cut signal that the Dolphins believe Mike McDaniel believes that he has his guy into him. Um, and then, so since the Dolphins gave up Chase Edmonds in that deal, uh, which totally made sense as they'd been using him less and less and the backfield had taken over by Raheem Mostert, but then they went out and traded for Jeff Wilson Jr., <laughs> who had become expendable in San Francisco. They still have Elijah Mitchell, just in case. Well, hopefully they do if he's healthy. Uh, but they have other running backs there in case Christian I McCaffrey did Price, rookie at LSU. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was an interesting one for me for the Dolphins to get back a, a, a running back. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just. Well, this is. Yeah. I um, Wilson had what the last I'd heard last night with Wilson was. Teams were calling. He's available, but it's going to take um, a little bit more. Was I think the term I had been told than, than, than you would think, and I, I think that's probably a good deal for everyone. Miami certainly wanted another running back. Wilson wasn't going to have like I had said when they made the McCaffrey deal that Wilson was going to be the one that was expendable because they do like Elijah Mitchell. They just drafted Ty Davis Price out of LSU, and Wilson's going to be the odd man out. He's a physical runner. He, he's not like a home run guy. I think it's a nice, he, he will help them at some point this year. Like he'll, he'll, he'll help them. So I didn't mind that move at all. And I think if you're San Francisco, you just saw what can happen when you have Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I think the two other players ever at running back to throw catch and uh, run for a touchdown. And in the same game were Walter Payton and LaDainian Tomlinson. So yeah, they feel pretty good about running back. Pretty good. Speaking of running backs, Kareem Hunt didn't go anywhere. Now, I said this was not happening. Nobody believed me. There was, everyone was like, Kareem Hunt's getting traded. Kareem Hunt's getting traded. And the bottom line is, yes, he's 27. He's a really good player. They had been asking for a four. The problem is, is that they, not only do they want the four, but more importantly is Hunt believes he's in that category of a Nick Chubb. Um, yeah. He wants top tier money and you're just not seeing running backs command that type of money. So ultimately it wasn't just that, but it was, why am I going to give up a mid round pick for a half a year rental? I'm just not going to do it. That's why that didn't happen. Well, I should have listened to you because I made a trade a week ago in a fantasy league where I, I, like, the, 
I like the idea though. What did you, I'm just curious. What did you give up to get him? Oh, it's just like, it was a package situation. It's too complicated even to go into, but I was like, I need so many things to upgrade here in this league where I'm just awful. And so fine, I will take Kareem Hunt and get the worst end of the deal and just roll the dice that he moves into his starting role uh, a week from now. And so now I'm left holding the bag with number two. How many carries last week, last night? Not very many. Oh, I tell you what, though, Chubb had a lot. Yeah. Uh, you well, want to know how bad my fantasy team is? I he had, have ele- Nick he had Chubb. 11 carries. He had 11 okay, carries. All right. That's, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I have Nick Chubb on my fantasy team, and I still lost by 30 points. And oh. he had like 27 or whatever it was. <laughs> so, yeah. I suck at fantasy football. That's a bad team. You go ahead and give me a call. You know, we'll, we'll you know, I, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. I suck. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh my goodness. Uh, Kendrick Bourne was another name that I know that you, you were on that one and said that that one wasn't going to happen. What was the thought process there in new England in terms of not wanting to deal with him? Because they certainly don't, don't want to use him either. It seems right. It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, as soon as I tweeted that people, you saw people saying like, well, you you should use them. And then I had a couple of teams were like, I don't know why they won't trade him. It's not like the guy gets the ball. Um, And he's actually a good player. He's really cheap. Um, which, which, which was another reason why teams wanted him. He is, he's not expensive. Um, but ultimately they felt like they, I, to be totally honest, I'm surprised, I'm a little surprised they didn't move him. They had told, they had told me uh, a couple weeks back and a couple of other teams had that it's probably not going to happen for Kendrick Bourne. And then you, we started to hear maybe Nelson Aguilar, but ultimately with KB, um, I wouldn't be surprised to that point if he is traded before June 1st, I still think there's a good chance he gets moved after the season. But um, in terms of this year, I think given, given what he's getting paid and they just felt like there's just no, there was no reason to, there's no rush to trade him right now. Couple more people that I want to ask you about the Jets wide receivers, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, did people put in calls? Were they, were they making calls? (laughs) Cause I know stuff's been going down with those two guys there. It's so ironic with Mims, Lindsay, because before the season, it was a mess mm-hmm. with him. It's been a mess ever since they took him in the second round out of Baylor. Um, now he's starting to get snaps a little bit, but. Well, uh, I kind of thought this past week might have been right? like them, you know, trade baiting the. Right. Whole like, NFL. oh, look, like, yeah. look, see, we're fine. He's fine. There's no problems yeah. here. And look, he can play. Um, I thought. No, Elijah Moore was never going to get traded just because, yes, another guy that's not getting targets, but also a player that they really like. I mean, Elijah Moore was really good last year as a rookie. Um, I drafted him in fantasy. So, hey, but again, um, I, have, I, I, think, I think the world of his talent, for yeah. whatever reason, he can't get on the same page with Zach Wilson in that offense. Um, Mims, I, I think they, they, were, they were more receptive to trading Mims, but – there, there just wasn't significant interest to what they would have wanted. More, there was a lot of interest, but they still feel like we can salvage it. You know, cheap receivers in terms of second year on a rookie deal who have that type of upside is still pretty interesting. And also, the Jets feel like they have a good team, and and they would they would love to find a way to get Elijah Moore back involved. Did the Bengals try to replace Chidobi? The Bengals are not a team that does a lot at the deadline. I had mentioned Sidney Jones. I thought maybe they would try to get him or another corner. 
um, that was, you know, like a third corner, someone that can come in and play. That happened so last minute for them. You know, last night they get the confirmation this morning. That didn't help. I know they had explored, Tornadio. but no, they and they obviously didn't move Eli Apple either. So he's still there. Um, but they listen, they yes, they need another corner for sure. They had a lot to try and figure out today after the game. Like head spinning. Got, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. What what happened? I know I, where do like, we I start? I didn't see that one coming. Yes. And I understand not having Jamar is it is terrible, but you still have a ton of weapons. And to not score the ball on a Cleveland defense that isn't exactly the 85 Bears, no, not good. Remember what we said earlier, just to bring this full circle, how important your uh, number two wide receiver is yeah. and how good they are. Uh, they went down in that department, though they still have a pretty good one in Tyler Boyd. I don't know. That game made no Higgins, sense to me Boyd, whatsoever. Dixon, I mean, yeah, yeah. How? How? Yeah. Anyway, Jordan, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time on a very busy day. I appreciate you squeezing us in. My pleasure, Lindsay. I had a blast. And let's do it again. <laughs> All right, that's Jordan Schultz. You can find him on Twitter at Schultz Report. You can find his work at The Score. We talked about fantasy a little bit there, and a few of the deadline moves will have fallout in that particular facet of football. Uh, one of them, certainly the move of Hawkinson, which probably increases the value of the other pass catchers in Detroit in his absence, Amonra most notably, though he already had 10 targets this past week. I'm not sure how much more that number is likely to go up. But Josh Reynolds and Cleef Raymond could be interesting there. As for Hawk himself, I'm not sure the needle moves all that massively for him. I think he's in an offense that is likely to be a little bit more consistent, um, but they haven't used the tight end all that much in the last few years. Perhaps this is an indication that they want to change that, though. I think that the Chase Claypool move to the Bears is huge for Justin Fields. Gives him a really good contested catch guy. And especially now that they're running Justin more and that threat is there, things could open up a little bit more downfield for guys like Chase. That said, I'm not sure that they come out slinging it all of a sudden. I don't think the offense is particularly built that way. So I'm not sure that Claypool is somebody that becomes a must-play all of a sudden, but from a real-world football standpoint, I do think that the move makes a lot of sense for Chicago. And yes, they gave up a lot to get him, a two that is their own two, by the way, and not the one that they got from Baltimore in their deal yesterday for Roquan, meaning it's a high two and not a low two, right? It's a, it's a lot to give up. But I do think that Chase Claypool brings value that extends past him much like we talked about in the offseason where the Dolphins and the Eagles were concerned and the ways in which the moves that they made this offseason helped them get a much-needed read on their quarterbacks. Chicago needed to get Justin Fields better weapons. It's just silly to draft a first-round quarterback and then go two years without any attempt to develop their passing game around him. So in that sense, I think that this was a Good move for Chicago, perhaps a few months too late. Um, and I also don't think it's overstating to suggest that there was also value in keeping Claypool out of Green Bay and closing that door also. As far as Pittsburgh is concerned, obviously the draft pick is big. You're not going anywhere this year, and you already have George Pickens, who it could be argued should have been a 
bigger part of the offense anyway. And from a fantasy standpoint, I think he's certainly the biggest winner in this particular deal. And thank God, because I got a lot of shares of him. Another fantasy winner at the deadline, Chase Edmonds, who was totally unplayable these last few weeks in his role in Miami. Now that he goes to Denver, I think that probably changes. I think he's the best option in that backfield over Melvin Gordon or Latavius Murray. So maybe we'll get some run out of him. I do think that the Bradley Chubb trade has the potential to affect fantasy also in the sense that the Broncos defense has been an awful matchup for opposing fantasy assets, like one big buyer beware. Perhaps that changes to a degree without the big guy up front. Worth noting, the Broncos are off this week. They're one of six teams that are on a bye in week nine. It's one of the biggest bye weeks of the year, along with week 14, when they're also six teams off. So the teams that you will not have access to in fantasy and you will not see this week on the field, it's the Broncos, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Steelers, and the Niners. So tons of running backs in there. This could be a tough week at that position. Think about it. You're losing... Two Browns running backs that people play in fantasy in Chubb and Hunt. You're losing two Cowboys running backs in Ezekiel Elliott and um, Tony Pollard. Obviously, Saquon Barkley for the Giants. You've got Najee Harris, who's had a rough year anyway for the Steelers. And then you lose CMC for the Niners. Um, And you lose whoever you were thinking of playing in that Broncos backfield. And frankly, uh, at the running back position... My guess is there were a lot of people playing the people in that Broncos backfield. Anyway, we'll be back on Friday with some advice about how to handle whatever vacancies are left behind in fantasy this week. Uh, I call it the Fantasy 15, my Friday episode. I'll pass along my favorite plays at every offensive position. In the meantime, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did and you would be so kind as to hit that five-star button on your way out, maybe leave a review, subscribe. That would be awesome. I'm also open to feedback on Twitter or Instagram, always. And you can find me there at Lindsay underscore Rhodes on Twitter. I'm Lindsay Rhodes NFL on Instagram. The producer of the NFL Roadshow is Andrew Emmer, and the show is a part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thanks again to Jordan for coming on. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again on Friday. SiriusXM Podcasts.